0: The health chat a special podcast about and for your health I'm one of your hosts Andy Friedman and with me as always dr. Alyssa Handler internal medicine and I am a licensed independent clinical social worker and a certified cognitive behavioral therapist and today we have a very interesting topic that I think everybody um, it's important for everybody to uh, learn about which is alcohol the the health mm,
1: consequences. consequences
0: of drinking, yep, and when it goes gets out of hand.
1: Yeah, so I know we've had how many episodes now? Four episodes? This is our fifth episode. This is our fifth episode, and it seems like there's a theme that I right. like to always bring up my favorite topic, alcohol. That's right. Because That's it right. is relevant to so many disease processes that people aren't aware of what it actually does and how important it really is for your health to actually limit alcohol and the consequences of drinking alcohol. Yeah. So we're going to go into more of those details now that we have a whole session Mm -hmm. that we're going to delve into these issues that you love talking about. If
0: you've been listening to our other podcasts, you might be thinking, oh, they keep saying they're going to talk about alcohol at a later date, and today is that date, so... It's very exciting. So, why don't you start off, Dr. Handler, um, and just give us a little bit of background about why alcohol and drinking alcohol is sort of significant medically. Okay. So,
1: I'm so glad you asked that question. As okay. I, we always like to uh, evaluate what it is we're actually talking about and right. really define mm-hmm. what it is we're talking exactly. about. Exactly. So, when we're talking about alcohol. Alcohol is actually ethanol, so the active part of a- alcohol is ethanol, and that's metabolized to acetyl aldehyde. And there is a specific enzyme in your liver. Called alcohol dehydrogenase, mm-hmm. and that's different amounts in women and men. Um, usually, men have a lot more of it than women, and so therefore they can actually metabolize alcohol m- more quickly than women. And that kind of gets into that's our important. Guidelines to know. of how much people can drink. I see. I see.
0: Because it is
1: is gender specific because men actually have more of that enzyme, and actually different races have different uh, levels of that enzyme. And when it gets broken down, it gets broken down to another, uh, another component called acetate, and that gets broken down to uh, water and carbon dioxide. So, of course, the, the last three, the acetate and the water and the carbon dioxide, are actually not harmful things to have in your body, but what's actually more dangerous to have in your body is the acetyl aldehyde. And that's important when we talk about some of the effects of alcohol later. And so yeah,
0: maybe yeah, no. next question. Yeah? yeah, no, so so that's um, very interesting um, that there's two, that the pathway has two steps and it's not like you just are inebriated for a while and then it just wears off. There's like your body is actually breaking it down. Now, what, do you know what, which, which molecule is causing the, uh, the the psychotropic effect in the uh, brain?
1: Mm, that's a good question. I actually don't know the answer oh, okay. to that. All right. Um, that maybe that's a research topic. Okay, yeah. we'll so get back to you to on find that one. Out meaning what component is actually the addictive part component? Exactly. That I'm not ex- entirely sure. Oh, okay. That would take some research. Well
0: let's we'll look into that. We'll look into that. Um, great oh, question though. Yeah. So so I guess the question is because it's this two step process How long does it stay in your system, depending, and how is that dependent upon how much you're drinking?
1: Right. So it's really important to realize that your body has can only absorb it so fast and break it down so quickly and about 20 percent of your of the alcohol that you drink is absorbed in your stomach and 80 percent in your small Ooh, intestine i did not know
0: that it's wow. metabolized
1: in the liver like we said mm-hmm. um, about one drink per hour that's about as quickly as people can metabolize and that's pretty much the same for everybody Um, Hmm. And what we want to know is, what is a drink, right? This always comes up. Right. How much is a drink? And most people really underestimate the size of their drink because most people don't actually measure how much they're drinking, right? Unless I ask them to do it or you do this test at home. So one drink is actually five ounces of wine or 1.5 ounces of liquor or 12 ounces of beer and And actually, the standard wine glass that most people use is actually one and a half glass one and a half glasses of right. wine. If you measure it, it's actually way more than five ounces. It's about eight ounces. And that's actually one and a half um, drinks. Just to
0: give everybody like a frame of reference, if you like measure out a cup of something like on your on your measuring cup, you know, and it says one cup, that's four ounces. So this is just slightly more than one cup of liquid. So if you take that one cup and pour it, say, into a glass, that's not a lot. Yes, you'd be
1: surprised how small that is. Yeah, it's
0: very small. Yes,
1: and actually, when you're in a restaurant, and I mm-hmm. brought this up before, when you're in a restaurant, right. if they poured you a five-ounce glass of wine, you would feel, gee, I really, that wasn't as good they a pour. They brought you your wine. As yeah. good as I would like it to yeah. be. So so most people are actually pouring way more than that at home. Yeah, And for women, the amounts of alcohol that women should drink is is seven or less per week or no more than three in 24 hours okay okay and for men that's a little it's double that pretty much double 14 drinks a week or less and no more than five in 24
0: hours so you're saying that the reason that men get to drink a little bit more i don't get to is the right word it's safer for them it's safer for them to to drink more is because they they have more Alcohol dehydrogenase in their system.
1: Correct. They can Uh metabolize it more quickly. And they're often larger people, though it's not not always weight-based. It's actually gender-related that they have more of their enzyme in their system. And this
0: happens in the liver. Correct. And that's why the liver is often talked about with alcohol. Yes. Uh So
1: the liver makes and stores that alcohol dehydrogenase enzyme, and
0: that's what metabolizes the alcohol. That's very interesting. Um, Just as a little bit of an aside... You talked about different races um, having less alcohol dehydrogenase. Correct. Is that right? Yes. Asian so, people. Asian Asi- people. Asians have and fewer Ashkenazi Jewish population. Okay, of which I am That's one. That's true. So, That's probably
1: true. so. It's it's genetically related in terms of yeah. how much this is in your system. And they all,
0: people always joke because I can't drink because I can't I can't tolerate it. I don't metabolize it and. So that's this is something so interesting to me. I'm learning something very much close to home for me of why 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 can somebody else have a glass of wine and if I have a half a glass of wine it just puts me over the top. So mm-hmm. Anyways, um, but continuing uh, on that vein. <laughs>
1: so I'm also talking about the, what the guidelines for safe, safer drinking. Uh, it's also age-related. As we age, we ah, have less of okay. that enzyme, and our right. livers are also right. older and can't metabolize as quickly. So, And there may also be drugs that you're taking. But as a separate thing, just in terms of age alone, people 65 and older should drink no more than seven drinks a week. There are also other groups of people that really should be minimizing their alcohol use. And I referred to this before in a prior talk, that people with a family history of breast cancer or personal history of breast cancer, they are at increased risk of future breast cancer if they're drinking more than three drinks a week.
0: Whoa. There's a real correlation between breast cancer and drinking. And alcohol use, And correct. alcohol use,
1: Correct. So I really counsel my breast cancer patients, those at risk for breast cancer, they really should be not drinking more than three drinks a week. That really does increase their risk. That's
0: really important to know because we think of – so there's this like – this like, I don't know, culture – in that that we believe that drinking wine is good for you, mm-hmm. okay? And so when you think, oh, I can have a glass of wine every day, I should have a glass of red wine every day because that's good for my cardiovascular system or something like that. And I actually know people who who drink red wine every day as a way to lower their cholesterol and stuff like okay. that. So, and you know, that's, that's interesting. You bring up yeah. an
1: answer to the next question. <laughs> oh, cool. Which you're jumping ahead a little bit. Uh-oh. So before, I'm sorry. before we jump ahead okay. to that, because right. I am going to answer that question about whether re- drinking red wine is actually good for you. I do I'm just d- like, yeah, yeah,
0: saying that, like, <laughs> like there's this... This like, notion, this yes. belief, this cultural, like very ingrained in our culture, belief that drinking a glass of red wine a day is good for you, when for women, that's seven glasses of wine a week, not three, like... Correct.
1: So, and that's a... There are some issues with that. There are some small benefits to that, which I'll get into, Okay, but... um it, But you do have to be careful with several groups of people that are at higher risk for problems. And I already mentioned one of them is people with breast cancer or family history of breast cancer, those at increased risk of breast cancer. Right. Those people with sleep issues, alcohol interferes with your sleep cycle. Okay, very much so. So once again, people think that. Oh, it helps me sleep. I'm going to take a little yes. something before you will bed. Fall asleep. You'll fall asleep. You'll conk out. Yeah. But you will wake up because you're withdrawing from that alcohol. You actually disrupt your sleep cycle. Oh, okay. it's so not well, a healthy go. thing to not drink good. alcohol not to help good. you sleep. Okay. Other thing is mood disorders. It affects right. your serotonin levels. You shouldn't, if you have anxiety, depression, it can augment that. It's not a good idea to be drinking yeah. alcohol. Yeah. Uh, people with acid reflux, fatty liver disease, diabetics. People on cholesterol and blood pressure medication all yeah. should be minimizing their alcohol. Anyone with a family history of alcoholism, alcohol dependence, or dementia, and anyone who's trying to lose weight. And we've talked about this in right. the prior talk. That's right. That if you're trying to reduce your calories, the easiest thing to do is to get rid of alcohol. Right. So do not
0: drink your calories. This is one of the, the things that I talk about with my clients is it's not worth it to, to drink your calories. There's no benefit... Um, to drinking anything, you know, other be, than water other than water or, or tea or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, most people, like we said, will
1: underestimate the amount they are drinking. There's an alcohol risk screening tool that I wanted to mm-hmm. mention. Mm-hmm. It's something that is used uh, for several specialists. I don't personally use it in my office. I just basically ask people how much they're drinking. If they're not sure, I ask them to measure it. There's something yeah. called the audit tool, tool audit. A-U-D-I-T. That's the audit questionnaire. It has 10 questions about alcohol use to help predict who is more likely to be abusing alcohol. Basically, also anyone who's drinking more than five drinks on any occasion Mm -hmm. meets the guideline for binge drinking disorder, which does have health consequences. Right. So I was curious, Andy. So in your practice,
0: do you use the audit tool? Do you you talk to people about alcohol? Yes, I do. And I don't use the audit tool Per se, although it is a very good tool. Um, and there are many tools out there that are basically like this audit tool. Um, I once I, I interview people about their drinking and if it seems like a problem. And it's it's also not only what they're drinking, but sort of how they're using alcohol. Um, some people do try to self-medicate with alcohol. And then just like you described just now about mood, how it interferes with mood disorders and how maladaptive that is for clients to try to self-medicate when they'd be better off with a maybe an antidepressant or something Correct. like that. But, um, you know, of course, there's a multitude of reasons why people – Uh, may drink and why drinking might get out of hand. I mean, first of all, the education, which is what we're trying to do here today, is to educate people that it may be out of hand and you don't realize it, or you may be harming your your physical health and mental health and you don't realize it, and that's the main reason we're doing this podcast today. Um, But also, you know, when somebody's actually chemically dependent... On alcohol. That's a different conversation, and that is when the mental health treatment options come into play. Maybe, you know, um, it could start with just sort of psychotherapy. C- Cognitive behavioral therapy is excellent with uh, alcoholism and other substance use disorders, and it may require, depending on the level, um, for uh, inpatient treatment or residential treatment, um, it's really great when the doctor and the mental health professional work together because it has such negative physical consequences mm-hmm. as well as the the mental consequences, um, and um, it's it's really important that um, that we you get all the information from the client to to find out in what particular way to help them. And many uh, substance use disorders, including alcoholism, are comorbid, what we say comorbid, or they occur at the same time as other mental health issues, Mm -hmm. and to deal with those issues as well. So treatment can be very varied and nuanced, um, but for the most part, it's the education that's the most important thing, and that's what we're trying to do here today. Right. So,
1: so most people are not addicted to alcohol. Most right. people that's are right. either overusing or binge drinking. You know, these are the words, the the categories we right. use. You know, right. that we can kind of quantify this. Yeah. Um. But we do want to, uh, let you know de- debunk the myths. Basically, is what we're trying to do. exactly it, uh, of what actually. Uh, is helpful and what is not helpful about alcohol. So one of the things people say that you mentioned just right. a little while ago <laughs> was, I heard drinking red wine is good for you. Is this true? Okay. I get asked this question all the time. So red wine has antioxidants in it like Reservatrol. Right. Okay, reservatrol, we mentioned this term before when I was trying to come up with it and I was right. It's called oh. Reservatrol. <laughs> that can raise your good cholesterol score, your HDL. However, you would have to drink several bottles of wine a day to have enough to make a difference. Oh, my Okay, in the studies that were done on animals, like the equivalent would be several bottles a day. Of course, that would mean you are, you know, there's no way you could drink enough. So, um, however, they did some studies and drinking one or two standard drinks a day, and not every day, by the way, was shown to have some benefit on reducing cancer and heart disease. So, some and that, that has to be really, you know, it's... it's That's it's, very vague, it's, right? It, it's it's some, yeah. you know, so it's not a big thing. You could, you shouldn't be doing it because of that. But if you're drinking a, a modified amount, meaning under the recommended amounts we went over, right. that there can be some health benefits to red wine only. So there's other concerns, though, about drinking alcohol. So I never tell people it's a good idea to drink more alcohol. Most, if they're not drinking alcohol, that's totally fine. I wouldn't tell someone to start drinking alcohol for any health benefit. It also contributes when you're overusing alcohol. It does contribute to dementia. So I want to just mention that because that was actually a uh, concern a lot of people have about their brains. And, right, and actually, right. my hus- I asked my husband last night, I said, what, what alcohol question do you have? And, oh. and he said, well, does alcohol contribute or cause dementia or Alzheimer's? So I wanted to talk about that because Alzheimer's That's, is one yeah. type of dementia, but what it actually causes is a vascular dementia. So, firstly, when alcohol is broken down in the body, it produces the acid, acetyl alcohol. Okay, Acetyl yeah. aldehyde, which no, I talked to al- you al- about. Yep, mm-hmm. Acetyl aldehyde is toxic to brain cells. Heavy drinking can also lead to thiamine deficiency, which is a B vitamin, and eventually Wernicke Corsicop, which negatively impacts brain function. That's like a dementia. And alcohol. Oh, that's a type of that's dementia. That's a type of dementia. Okay, gotcha, correct, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, caused by thiamine deficiency. Oh, I see. So alcohol misuse is also associated with other factors that can influence brain function, like epilepsy and head injuries. Obviously, you drink too much, you fall, you have seizures. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. On top of this, the alcohol contum- consumption also raises the risk of vascular dementia uh, because of its effect on the vascular system as a whole, which I've mentioned before. Yeah, because it increases your blood pressure.
0: Right. Okay. Right, so right, I mentioned right. that before. Yes. Because what? So it constricts yeah. the. So
1: what it does does is Mm -hmm. it actually tells your kidneys to hold on to salt. And I talk about this all the time in my hypertensive patients, that every time you drink alcohol, it's telling your kidneys to not let go of salt. And that will raise your blood pressure.
0: Wow. It
1: influences, like, the, the hormones in the kidneys. So it's telling your body, hold on to salt. So why would you want to hold on a salt if I'm trying to treat your blood pressure. Wow! So then I have to start giving them a drug to lower their blood pressure when they're consuming alcohol, which is raising their blood pressure. And I'm like, do you—, you It's know, fighting are, itself. Yeah. yeah. So so it makes sense to say, if you really limit the alcohol, maybe I don't have to give you as many drugs to control your blood pressure if you have high blood pressure already. So that's what we're talking about.
0: Interesting. That's very interesting. And that—is that related to why people are so dehydrated—
1: yeah. So After. so separately oh, it's it, separately. Okay. So separately it actually is a diuretic. So those are two oh, separate processes, okay. I believe. So one So part, that
0: even exacerbates it more, right? Correct. I mean, yeah. Correct. Yeah. There's multiple things that the alcohol
1: does that I don't want to get into all the right. like boring Although, physiology, but, <laughs> but it's exactly correct yeah. that not only does it increase your holding on to salt, it also acts as a direct diuretic, pushes the pushes the water out of your body. So, yes, so then you're also dehydrated. You're also
0: dehydrated. Correct. I know a lot of people have talked about that that they have, that they get a hangover when they go to sleep.
1: Because they're dehydrated. Because they're Correct. dehydrated, yeah. So, so you do want to drink. So, a smart thing to do is when you drink a glass of wine or a, a, an alcoholic product, you want to drink a glass of water for every glass of wine that you have. Okay, that's so a at good least guideline, one or yeah. two. right? So, you know, if. Some friends are very smart, and they'll drink a glass of wine, and then they'll drink a glass of water, right, and maybe right. another glass of water. And that's completely smart, right. and because that actually diminishes any effects of the alcohol and it dilutes it out. It keeps you hydrated. Um, it's slow you know, and eating food with alcohol, not having an empty stomach, will slow oh, down that's the a absorption. Really good we talked point. about yeah. the absorption, right? Because that's you a- want to keep that. To a minimum, to slow down the absorption, you want to have food in your stomach. So yes, that was all those things are
0: important. fascinating to me that most of the absorption happens in the stomach.
1: 20%, correct.
0: 20, or, oh, 20%. 20% I'm sorry, in okay. the
1: stomach, 80% in small intestine. I got you. You okay. want to have food in your stomach. That's why you want to have food in your stomach. To, so you, before you drink your alcohol.
0: Very, very yes, smart. Exactly. So that would slow it down. Slow, Slow it down, down. yeah,
1: because yeah. you don't want to have an immediate toxic effect
0: to your brain. Right. So, you know, it, it's it's interesting. You know, you don't want, you know, we want to go for harm reduction and not just tell people, well, you just cannot drink ever again because that's not realistic. So how do you counsel your patients um and encourage them to sort of drink responsibly. And, you know, we see that, of course, now on commercials for beer and stuff like that. So it's, please drink responsibly. And what does that mean? You know, what does that mean? That's one of the reasons we're educating everybody today. But, you know, what would you say the guidelines were? How? What would be a rule of thumb?
1: Well, it's just what we talked about—is really paying attention to how much you are drinking, how you are drinking, mm-hmm. this the environment that you're drinking. That's right. right? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. so many factors, right? But to quantify, to start by paying attention, being mindful, just like eating. Yes, right? it is exactly. Like, we talked about mindful eating. Exactly. But we're not talking about mindful drinking. Yes. And and, and the thing is that in our society, American society really normalizes this binge yes. drinking behavior yes. It makes yes. it normal. Yes. And people say, well, all my friends drink way more than I do. Right. Well, well then they definitely have problems. I'm, <laughs> I'm not their doctor. I'm right. your doctor. Right. I'm giving you the best advice. And I really have to counsel people about this because it's so pervasive and it, it's made to feel like it's a normal part of our lives. Yeah, and it's think, not normal. And it yeah, has it's definite not health. It's, it's not normal. We quantified. We have evidence. We have tools we use to quantify things. All this, There's evidence-based studies yes. that come up with these guidelines. I'm not making up these guidelines. These right. are evidence-based guidelines that I'm following right. that I'm not making up. I'm not judging anybody. It, I'm that's just a, telling you the what key. the data yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. And people can make their own decisions. That's We're all correct. adults, hopefully, that I'm counseling. And... It's very really important again to, to know what you're eating, what you're drinking. People are worried about drugs I'm prescribing. Right. And yet <laughs> they're worried they're not worried about the amount of alcohol That's they're a great drinking. Point. So, That's so a great again, point. people's sense of what's concerning is a little skewed in our society. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to shift that to really yeah. what matters and that gets back to what we're really talking about here. Right.
0: And I and I and I couldn't agree more and I and this is exactly the um tactic I take with my clients who come in with, I mean, some people come in with the identified goal of reducing or eliminating drinking because it's become a problem for them. But often in the initial psychosocial um, analysis, it kind of comes up like alcohol could be a problem. Alcohol can be a problem um, mentally and emotionally in ways that people uh, don't realize, and mm-hmm. we want you to be able to drink responsibly, drink mindfully, and um, and we don't want you to um, sort of um, just do what everybody else is doing. Because that could get you into a lot of trouble, especially if you're around a lot of people who have issues with alcohol. Oh, well, they've
1: actually done studies on that, too, <laughs> I believe. Yeah. It's alcohol, the same with food, with food too. Yeah, right, right, right? That if you if in your friend group you use food or alcohol a certain right. way, you're more likely to ha- have those same behaviors. Or right. if your friend group is obese or if your friend group uses drugs. Or, right. So Of exactly. course, like, you're, we're, we're, you know. We are surrounded by. We
0: do. We're social what our, animals. Yeah. What our friend group yeah, is doing exactly,
1: and so it's sometimes hard to do things in isolation of what your friend group is. But again, if I'm helping my patient, then maybe I'm actually helping a friend group as well as yeah. You know, extending to there to in order to kind of shift what's what is a healthy choice right. to make. That's you right. know, and we're probably reaching a little a few more people than just the people we're touching.
0: Yeah, and if you're confused about whether or not you're um drinking too much or really have a problem with drinking i mean i really encourage you to talk to your doctor talk to your you know if you have a therapist talk to your therapist if you don't have a therapist maybe talk to a therapist about it um because of this issue of it being so pervasive in our culture and and so accepted in our culture. And we're really hurting our health, our physical health, and our mental health. I mean, some things that I even learned today that kind of blew me away was, one, um, that it it raises the salt. Yes. Uh, you know, so that I did not know. Like, so I didn't really understand how it could—I mean, I kind of got that— It's broken down in the liver, so that's why the liver is involved. Mm -hmm. But I didn't understand these other things that were happening in terms of, you know, uh, raising the blood pressure, raising the salt level, um, you know, how many drinks is safe— for, you know, how it's correlated with breast cancer. Mm. I think that Mm -hmm. was a big shock to me. I'm not a drinker, really, for the reasons I mentioned before. But I always kind of wished I could have a glass of wine with dinner, you know, every night. And now I'm realizing, well lucky me i I couldn't do that, and so <laughs> that's you know, yeah,
1: so you mean you were listening to your body, right, I listen to my body, right, you know, and you know how you feel when you do something right, you're making a choice because that's of correct, some people are ignoring that right, that signal of doing things that they're somehow blocking out that right. choice that even despite that's an addiction problem when you're making a choice over and over again right because you even even when physically yeah. make yeah. a different
0: choice so that's you know right. so i mean there's there's all there's a difference the other thing i want to say from a, a mental health perspective a, about addiction and particularly alcohol dependence is that if you are alcohol dependent, it's very important that you get medical attention when you're withdrawing because it's maybe one of the most dangerous withdrawals. That is correct.
1: That yeah, should be done in the hospital. It should setting. be done in a
0: hospital setting. So if you're hearing this and you're wanting to make a change, uh, cold turkey is not the way to go with um
1: Yeah. So if you're drinking
0: from alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say
1: if you're a lady and you're drinking more than three drinks every day, that clearly is a dependence issue and your brain is dependent on a certain amount and you can definitely have a severe life-threatening withdrawal if you just stop uh, 100%. Exactly. So definitely seek, you know, ask the counseling of your physician or your mental health provider in terms of what's the safest way to, yes. to eliminate alcohol. When we weren't spending that time really talking about people right. with addiction, right. I was focusing more on the people that are right. overusing alcohol, which is more pervasive in our society, uh, and that is what I deal with every day it's on a It's almost everybody basis. is overusing
0: yeah. alcohol. Yep, and, really. I, and I
1: do say that. Everyone's drinking too much alcohol. Yeah. When people say, I, I don't think I was drinking that much, I'm like, everyone's drinking too much alcohol. Yeah, yeah. That's just how it is. It's my job to get just us give to a the facts he- healthier and, place. Yeah, right. And I say, I really need to talk about this, because it is very, very important. And that's why we're spending a whole... 20-minute discussion right now yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, well, I, I think this is great. Um, I think even I learned a bunch of things today. You know, even as a as a seasoned. Psychotherapist, I learned a lot about the physical consequences of drinking alcohol that I didn't know. So thank you, Doctor Hamlin. And I'm Handler. not
1: a personal expert on everything. I'm just really presenting the basics of what I go over every day in my practice. And I'm sure there's other experts that we could bring in and even talk to them yeah, about maybe addiction. We should, we
0: should think about doing that yeah. for a for a future session because I think I think one thing that this this podcast has brought up for us today is that it's a pretty interesting topic and like you said almost everyone who drinks alcohol is drinking too much and um, you know getting the word out about it and what the health consequences are, both mental health and physical health consequences are, is so so important. So um, thank you. Great. Thank you and for And I that. think
1: we talked about inviting guest speakers to our yes. health chat. Yes. And I believe uh, we're hoping to have a guest on, on our, one of our future talks, maybe about migraines. So stay, I, th- tuned, stay for, tuned for, for that. migraines. We're going to hopefully have a guest speaker, special guest. That is
0: guest. so exciting. That is yep. so exciting. And that's taking the health chat podcast to a different level, which I'm really excited about. So stay tuned for that. Once again, please look for us on Facebook. Um, It is the Health Chat podcast page on Facebook. Leave your questions for us. If you have questions about uh, migraines or other sort of neurological symptoms. Please leave us a question. We will be happy to answer it right here on this podcast. And let us know if you want us to use your name or not. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I do want to. We haven't had a um, a full vaccine talk, which we may do at some later date. Um, but I wanted to share something about vaccines real quick, if I may. And that is, I recently got boosted for the MMR um, vaccine, which is the measles, mumps, rubella. I was not immune to measles. And now there is a measles outbreak in Massachusetts. And the reason that I wasn't immune was I wasn't allowed to be boosted in my 20s um, for the measles vaccine because I'm allergic to eggs. We talked about that on the flu vaccine show. And so um, I went and got another measles shot and I boosted. I had no effects at all. I didn't even have a sore arm Perfect. afterwards. Perfect. Um, and, but just so people know that if you were vaccinated in the 60s and you did not get boosted, you are likely not immune to the measles. And so I would ask your doctor about that.
1: Yes, and that's that's probably true. Most people have been vaccinated, um, but anyone in question, we are just checking their titer. That's right. Or it's not a big deal to get
0: a booster. Right. It's, it it's was not totally a big deal. totally not a big deal. It was yeah. a major not big deal. Yeah. And now that we didn't have to worry about it because we thought measles was basically gone, and it's not, so I went out and got a vaccine. So I just wanted to share that with the audience. Yes.
1: Um, And I'm sure there's, you know, public health departments are giving standard advice about that, and we're referring
0: people for that advice as well. Well, that's good, and so think about that too. So I want to, yay, thank you. I want to thank Dr. Alyssa Handler. Thank you, Andy. Yes, it's always a pleasure. It is always a pleasure. We always have so much fun chatting. (laughs) We have the greatest time, and we're so glad that you're joining us in our little chat here, our little health chat. So I would like to thank everybody for joining us um, for Health Chat. Once again, I'm Andy Friedman, licensed independent clinical social worker.
1: And Dr. Alyssa Handler, MD, Board Certified in Internal Medicine.
0: Thanks for joining us.